All right, if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8, while you're turning there, I'll Google some sermon illustrations real quick. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 11. If you've got a smartphone, you can can look that up on a Bible app as well. And let's stand together and honor the reading of God's Word. This is Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 18. This is the Word of God. Be careful that you don't forget. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I'm giving you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and your gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful. Be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and that you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your ancestors had not known, in order to humble and to test you so that in the end, he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your ancestors as it is today. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. Don't forget. These are are words that we say every day to our kids and our coworkers, our spouses, to our roommates. It's my kids head out the door to the school bus. I tell them not to forget their lunchbox. But has it ever occurred to you, why is it that we human beings are so forgetful? Why is it that we can't remember the things that we're supposed to remember, especially things that are really important? Show of hands, how many of you in the last 24 hours have heard something like, what is our Wi-Fi password? Do you remember our Amazon password? What's the passcode to our Bank of America account? Show of hands. Anybody? But we also forget much more important things than passwords, don't we? Show of hands. How many of you have lost your children in public before? (laughs) Right. Thank you. Um, I've lost my children in places like the Nashville Zoo and other places. Um, It's so easy for us as human beings to forget the things that are supposed to be the most important to us. And the Bible understands this about people. The Bible understands us better than we do. And so our passage today is dealing with the most important thing we can't afford to forget. This passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is about remembering God. And so if you're taking notes, go ahead and get out uh, your notebook or the notes app on your phone. Um, I'm going to have three ways from the book of Deuteronomy to forget God. These are how to become a functional atheist in three easy steps. All right, here we go. Number one, the first way to forget God is to stop keeping his commands. Look at verse 
11. Verse 11 says, Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I'm giving you today. Notice that it's not be careful not to forget the commands, ordinances, and statutes. It's be careful not to forget God by failing to keep his commands. This is a really important distinction. It's, it's not be careful to forget the rules. This is be careful not to forget God by keeping his rules. This is how we are, verse 11, to be careful not to forget the Lord. So what, what are the commands that Moses is writing about? Um, let's hit some background really quick about the book of Deuteronomy. We've not been in this series. We've been in the book of Acts. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background because there's some really interesting context here. Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, is teaching the Exodus story. If you're new to the Bible or new to church, the Exodus is the story of Moses, a leader who led the Israelite slaves who'd been, been enslaved in Egypt, and he was going to lead them out of captivity. Uh, the book of Deuteronomy is kind of like a commentary on the book of Exodus, written shortly before Moses died, right before Moses was going to lead the Israelite army into the promised land. God's people had been promised this land through a covenant that he made with Moses, and it was supposed to be a land that was flowing with milk and honey. There was supposed to be lots of silver and gold. This was supposed to be a land of prosperity. And so Moses is writing this to a group of soldiers that is waiting to do this thing that they have been waiting a long time to do. When the Israelite slaves left Egypt, they did not know they would be in the desert for 40 years. So think about what happened in 40 years. There were multiple generations that were born and that were raised that would have died during those 40 years. Some were tired, some were bitter, and some were ignorant about all that God had done through and with Moses. And so there were, there were members, there were soldiers in this army who had never been slaves in Egypt. They were born in the desert. There were soldiers who didn't remember what it was like before the Exodus. All they knew was this nomadic lifestyle. There were people in the army who didn't witness Moses come down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and instruct God's people about how they would live. In other words, Moses wrote Deuteronomy as a way to educate these soldiers about the commands of God. This is like the best locker room speech in the Bible. Have you guys ever seen the movie Rudy? It's like that scene right before um, they're going to go take the field. The Israelite army is preparing to do the most important thing they have ever done. And Moses is worried. And he's not worried because he's afraid that these young soldiers might forget God's commands. He's actually worried because they don't know God's commands in the first place. And so Moses had to explain this to them. And by the way, this is, we see this mirrored in the New Testament as well, don't we? What does Jesus do on the eve before he ascends into the promised land of heaven? He gathers together his followers, and just like Moses, what does he say to him in the Great Commission? He, he tells them to remember God by obeying his commands and teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Do you think that's a coincidence in the Bible? 
It's, it's one of the most consistent themes in the Bible. The human beings are forgetful people, and they need to be reminded and reminded and reminded. Human nature is to forget God. It's what I call spiritual amnesia. And the antidote to spiritual amnesia is obeying everything God has commanded us to do. Teaching others to do the same. Let's keep moving. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in, and your herds and your flocks grow large, and your silver and your gold multiply, and everything else you have increases, be careful. Be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and that you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and its scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your ancestors had not known, in order to humble and to test you so that in the end he might cause you to prosper. The second way to forget God is to forget all that God has done for you. Forget all God has done for you. If you forget all that God has done for you, you will live your life as a functional atheist. The pathway for Israel, as it is for many of us in Nolansville, to forget God is what Moses was most worried about. It's not poverty, but prosperity. See, everybody remembers God when they're poor. When you need something, you remember to pray. You remember to ask God. But everybody forgets God when they're rich. And the land that was flowing with milk and honey, this was land that was going to make Israel rich. And the Bible here is not saying that having food to eat and beautiful homes to live in and lots of wealth is a bad thing. All those things are good things. But that's kind of the point because these good things easily distract from the best thing. The famous uh, pastor, Charles Spurgeon, who's a pastor in London um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, wrote this in 1906 in a sermon about forgetting God from the book of Hosea. He wrote, I think I know the reason why God does not trust some of us with prosperity. It is because God will not risk all of his ships on the roughest sea. He has constructed some of his vessels so that they can stand the storm. And these he sends away into the thick of the tempest. But his little ships he keeps nearer to the shore. Seasons of prosperity of any sort are seasons of great trial to Christians. It was at this time that, of their prosperity that the Israelites forgot their God. End quote. I wonder if we think about prosperity in Nolansville as a trial for Christians. Charles Spurgeon certainly did, and Moses knew that wealth was a way of making you believe you were never poor in the first place. You know people like that, who they try to always prove to themselves and to others that they were never poor. They've always belonged to this class. And so what does Moses do? Look down in, in, in your Bible. Moses reminds them that God heard you when you were poor. He, he brought you through the wilderness, through the snakes and through the scorpions. 
When there was no water and there was no food, he fed you with manna. And some of us need to ask ourselves this morning, have we forgotten all that the Lord has done for us? When I cried out to God, and when I bargained with him for what I wanted, have I forgotten what he did for me? I wonder what would happen if we took two minutes and we tried to write down as many things as we could, as many times we can remember that God did something, anything for me. We're going to do that. Get out your phone or open up the notes app or get out a connect card or get out your journal. We're going to do this right now. We're going to take two minutes, and it's going to be so much more painful for me standing up here by myself than for you to stand here for 120 seconds. I want you to write down as many things as you can remember of times that God did something for you. Even if you're not a believer and you're just kind of spiritually searching and you kind of wonder, was that God or was that Taco Bell? Just write down as many things as you can. We're going to go two minutes starting now. I did the same exercise recently during a sermon. Um, I admit I got bored like many of you are right now. And I was just writing down as many things as I could remember of significant spiritual milestones in my life. And if I gave you more time, I know you could do, um, do that. And I'd encourage you to do this later. I'd encourage you to share this with your spouse. Um, text your life group um, and share the things that God has done with you. But we are very much like the Israelites um, in the book of Exodus, in the book of Numbers, in the book of Deuteronomy, except one, one thing. God has led us Christians through something far worse than the desert. God has led every Christian from death to life. How can we so easily forget the grace of God in our life? How can we so easily forget what it felt like the time that we first believed the gospel? Well, the answer is because at some point we stopped telling the story. 
And our minds and our hearts, they're leaky. They leak the gospel. Moses knew telling the story just once wasn't enough. Moses is the author of Exodus, but he's also the author of Numbers and Deuteronomy. And he retold the story of Israel again and again and again to generation and generation and generation. And when it comes to the word of God as Christians, we are never finished retelling the story of Scripture. The gospel story is meant to be rehearsed over and over and over again. Jack Miller, who is a, uh, was a Westminster Seminary professor, and he was a mentor to the recently deceased New York City pastor, Tim Keller. Some of you have probably read a Tim Keller book like Reason for God or Prodigal God. Jack Miller coined the phrase, preach the gospel to yourself every day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. And some of you might be thinking this morning, well, I'm not a preacher. How am I going to preach the gospel to myself We have gospel amnesia. And so this Sunday's sermon will not be enough to get you through Monday. Fact is, tomorrow morning, you're going to need to fill the pulpit of your own heart for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And you're going to have to preach the gospel to yourself to get you to Tuesday and to get you to Wednesday and to get you to Thursday. As good of a preacher as Wade Owens is, Why do we have to come back every Sunday for another dose of gospel? It's because we forget that the gospel is true. This is human nature. Gospel conversations are not just for believers and lost people. We rehearse the grace of God with one another and even with ourselves. We rehearse what God has done in the Bible as well as our own stories are testimonies of the grace of God because we're prone to forget. And this is why in Scripture we see it both commanded and modeled to tell the stories of God to the next generation. Let's look at verse 18. This is our final point. Verse 18, you may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your ancestors as it is today. The third, and maybe the most dangerous way to forget God is to confuse your own ability with the power of God. Confuse your own ability with the power of God. This is the most dangerous trap the enemy has placed in the path of successful people. In our culture, dare I say it, even in Nolensville, We believe in things like hard work and personal responsibility and values like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and that's all well and good. But when we forget that the Bible says every good gift comes from the Father of lights, our spiritual amnesia leads us down a path where we start to believe, I did it. I made it happen. Every good thing that I have came from me from my hustle. And the problem is there's going to come a time when we are reminded we can't do it. We can't make it happen. And nothing good seems to be happening in my life. Mike Glenn said it really, really well when he said, every Christian is either about to head into a storm, is in the middle of a storm right now, or is coming out of a storm. And sometimes when we're coming out of a storm, we're tempted to think, to forget the one 
who even the winds and the waves obey him. We think that our ability is going to be sufficient to weather the storm. And none of us are that good of a sailor. In closing, I want to share a story I didn't share in the, in the first service this morning, but comes to mind. And, uh, when I was a, a boy, my mom told me, uh, she gave me a compliment. She said, you have a really good memory like your daddy. My mom probably complimented me every single day, but there's something about those words, like your daddy, that really got my attention as a little boy. I think as a little boy, doing anything like your dad is a big deal. I think every little boy, even if you don't have a good relationship with your dad, wants to be like your dad in some ways. You want to be big. My dad was smart. He graduated high school and college and law school. And I do think he had a really good memory. I'm not so sure I have such a good memory. I think my mom just said that because I memorized some lines for a school play. But you can appreciate how... And many, many years later, my mom told me that my dad had been diagnosed with Lewy body dementia, that I felt like it was a really cruel kind of irony that this man with such a good ability to remember um, couldn't remember how to tie his own shoes. I caught the long goodbye. Some of you may have cared for parents um, with dementia, but I'll tell you this. My father passed away in 2019, having spent a lifetime trying to be like his heavenly father and having taught me to aim higher than trying to be like my daddy by trying to do what the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Really, what I realize now is he was teaching me not to forget God. Losing my dad was one of the most difficult storms I've ever gone through, and I just I wonder if I could ask you where you're at. As, as we close this morning, as the band comes back up, I just ask you are, you, are you headed into a storm? You can sense it. There's a season of transition coming. Are you in the middle of one right now? I just assume all you guys are here Memorial Day weekend because you're just having a rough go. You need some church in your life. Or maybe you're coming out of a storm, like you've been in it, like I have been in it, in grief and loss. And I said this morning, there's three ways to forget God. These are, these are three ways that we begin to move through life like a functional atheist, like there is no God. But the inverse of these ways to forget God is the path to remembering the Lord your God. Number one, start keeping his commands. I wonder how our lives might be different if some of those areas of life that we've neglected, some of those next steps that we know that we're supposed to take, that God's been calling us to take, if we started obeying him, even when we don't really understand what, the why. I'm so, I'm so glad that we're about to start this uh, sermon series about why these things of the church. It's gonna be so helpful, but... But even if you don't yet know why, but you're a follower of Jesus, start keeping some of, the, some of his commands. Sometimes uh, I feel most loved by my children when they do the just because I said so things in obedience to me because I don't have time to explain. 
Number two, rehearse and remember all that he has brought you through. For some of you guys, you've been brought through a lot. And you might even feel ashamed this morning that you've forgotten some of those things that he's brought you through. But rehearse them, remember them. Tell them to your children. Chances are your kids don't know that you struggle. They don't know what God's brought you through. It hasn't occurred to you to share it with anybody. It hasn't occurred to share something really important, something really deep, maybe even something painful with your spouse. Those are not to your shame. They're to the glory, the grace of God. Every scar is a testimony to his grace. Number three, declare God's power and surrender your abilities to him. Sometimes one of the most countercultural things that we can do in successful Nolansville is to say, I, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. I'm not going to pretend. You can be sure it'll be difficult to hear the voice of God in a storm when you become disconnected from God's commands. Maybe a next step for you is an area of obedience. Just grabbing a connect card, filling that out, and dropping it in the orange bucket. Let's bow together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're just going to spend some time with our Heavenly Father. We're going to leave space for us to do business with the Lord, to reflect, to remember. Spend time remembering some of the things that God has done for us. Maybe there's somebody that you need to share the gospel story with, you need to rehearse it with. But I know there's somebody here, at least one, who's suffering because they're trying to hold it all together under their own power. And I want to say to you, just let go. Don't trade God's power in your life for your ego. You can trust God with your life. Lord, I pray you'd teach us how to rehearse the gospel daily in our own lives, that you'd teach us how to be careful to remember the Lord our God so that we may enjoy the covenant promised to us in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.